You're listening to Simple Roots Radio, episode 14. Once we fall into that trap of, well, I really should have done better, and I could have done this better, and I'm going to try harder, it's so easy to slide over to um, striving needlessly and wasting a lot of time and energy. Um, I think that sometimes good enough is just perfect. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Schur. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. A nutritionist by trade, Alexa has rebelled against common misconceptions about nutrition and has created a realistic health style that will allow you to live a healthy, satisfied, and more simplistic life. It's raw, it's real, it's unfiltered. It's Simple Roots Radio. And now your host, Alexa Schur. Welcome back to the podcast. As always, I just wanted to remind you that this show is dedicated to simplifying your health, allowing you to live with more purpose, more joy, and ultimately achieve the lasting health you've been looking for. It comes in many forms, of course, always talking about nutrition, but we can't forget about our stress levels, how we live our life, and ultimately how much joy we have. And today we're going to dig into just that. In this episode, we're going to talk with Allie Worthington. She's author of the amazing book, Breaking Busy, How to Find Peace and Purpose in a World of Crazy. She's also speaker and the executive director of Propel Women. Her ultimate goal is to help women live the life they were created. Being a mom to five boys, she knows busy all too well, while maintaining her own business, helping small business owners and Fortune 500 companies to be more successful. Allie's no-nonsense, guilt-free take on motherhood, parenting, and balance has even led her to some pretty great appearances on The Today Show and Good Morning America. I'm so honored and thrilled to have Allie on the show as her book, Breaking Busy, honestly was a turning point in my own life and awakened me to the reality I was living and ultimately helping me see that the path I was headed was not one I was excited about. I'm so honored and thrilled to have Allie on the show as her book, Breaking Busy, honestly was a big turning point in my own life and awakened me to the reality I was living and ultimately helping me to see the path that I was headed was not one that I was excited about at all. So today we're going to break down why busy isn't better and why we should break busyness and stand up for ourselves. So today I'll be asking Allie about her own realization that she was too busy, why a ringing bra was such a defining moment in her life, how to tell if you've reached overcapacity, what our worth has to do with our decisions to be busy, and the key steps in breaking busy. If you're ready for a new you to enjoy life just a little bit more and end the complaints about time, this episode is for you. You'll definitely want to stick around as we start chatting with Allie. Welcome to the show, Allie. I'm so beyond excited and honored to have you here. Thank you. I am thrilled to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So I just want to kind of start with your story. I always like to start with where the story began. How did you realize that busyness was an issue in your life? Well, my husband and I, we live outside of Nashville. We have five sons and we, this part of our life, I was running my own business, which meant I was working, you know, crazy all the time hours. He was working at a hospital, so he had normal human hours of 40 (laughs) hours a week. We were hosting small group in our home. We both taught separately on Sunday mornings. He was always wrangled into refereeing and coaching flag football. Like from the outside and on Instagram, because that's the way it is, we look like the all-American family and we're living the dream. 
but I was stressed, I was frazzled, and I was unhappy. And one night I looked at him and I said, you know, what if we just sold everything and got an RV and <laughs> lived off the land except for like Wi-Fi and Starbucks? Right. <laughs> and luckily, luckily he did not want to sell all of our belongings and pack us into an RV, but he did say that the level at which we were living life was kind of sucking the joy out of him too. So it started us on this journey of to figure out, you know, we didn't we didn't want to want to become Amish. You know, we didn't want to we're not minimalists. We right. want to live a big full life. But we started our journey to figure out how we could break busy before the busy would actually break us. Right. Yeah. So it was just kind of a a time where you knew something needed to change, but you weren't quite sure. So how did you start to really come to the realization that okay, there was something better. And how did you like overcome the fear, I guess is what I'm trying to say, of starting something new? Well, for me, I knew that life was not sustainable where it was. In fact, even after we started this journey to figure out how we could live at a pace that was good for us, I found myself on a business trip and I was coming back home at 6 a.m., which was a terrible decision in itself. And got on a shuttle at 5, no, gosh, got on the shuttle at 4 a.m., did what every human does when you're in a car early in the morning, I fell asleep, got into the airport, looked at the sweet couple behind me, looked in my purse, was going to play on my phone, and realized I left my phone in the shuttle. So I turn around to this sweet couple and say, can I please borrow your phone? I have to call myself. The shuttle driver's going to answer it, and just give me your phone. So they give me their phone and I start dialing my number. I kind of look at them like, I got this. We're cool. And then as the phone starts ringing, I'm prepared to you know, talk to the shuttle driver, ask him to turn around, and my bra starts ringing. <laughs> so I actually fell asleep on the shuttle, you know, used my little extra pocket, put my phone in my bra, and forgot it was there. And that was this moment where I thought before that I realized that my husband and I were too busy and life was just too crazy. But then I'm right there in the middle of the airport calling my own bra because I just can't keep up. Right. Mm -hmm. And so even if, even if in itself I was going to be scared to make changes, I knew I had to just go ahead and go for it because I wasn't happy. And especially as a parent, I couldn't let myself live at that level because my unhappiness living with stress like that was going to affect my children. And just out of responsibility for them, I had to bite the bullet and figure out how to fix things. Right, right. So you're starting to see the effects kind of ripple through the family. In the book, Breaking Busy, Allie talks about the signs of overcapacity. Allie, can you briefly fill us in on what those signs are? Oh, sure. There's so many great signs and uh, I know them all very well. Um, The biggest one for me, the one that always tips me off is my emotions being out of control. I like to say that out of control emotions reflect the out of control demands that we often put on ourselves. So if I find myself, you know, easy to cry about who knows what, or to snap at coworkers or to snap at my children or my husband, I know I'm probably stressed and it's probably because I'm trying to do too much. So I know I need to you know, get to my schedule and find some margin and I need to get on my knees and talk to Jesus and figure out what's going on. So emotions are my big indicator. There's a lot of others, 
um, like not taking care of ourselves. So many women feel like taking time out and making sure we're relieving stress, making sure that we're healthy and we're feeding our bodies right and moving enough that, you know, that seems when we're already busy, those activities seem like something that's just going to add to the workload. Like if you're already stressed, you're already tired, it's easier to just Netflix and chill with a bowl of ice cream than it is to decide you're going to go out for a walk and cook some lentils, right? Right. Um, I'm making, I'm not making it sound appetizing, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so, but the problem with not taking care of ourselves is it leads to that third thing, which is um, illness. I went through this season of my life where I was sick all the time. I had, you know, strep throat and the flu and a sinus infection. And I went to the doctor and said, you know, just give me something. I need to get better. And he said, Allie, do you think that maybe you're stressed? And I'm like, well, duh, of course I'm stressed. Like that's, that's life. Right. And he said, until you figure out how to slow down and take care of yourself and relieve stress, you're going to stay sick. So that was a huge indicator for me. And some others are um, chronic lateness. I mean, I think people who are often 15 minutes late are, are misunderstood. And mm. Here's my thought. It's not that people who are late aren't valuing other people. It's oftentimes people who are late are trying to fit in too much mm. because they do value other people. So they're trying to be all things to all people, do too much, and there's just too much to do in a day. Right. And then I think the most important indicator would be um, a hurt in your relationships, a disconnection in your relationships whether it's with your friends, with your spouse, and even with God. When we live at an overcapacity level, we just don't have the emotional bandwidth and the time to invest in our relationships. And it's our relationships that are, you know, the, the core the core of our existence is, is our relationships with other people and our relationship with God. Right. And I feel like I went through this time of busyness in my own life. And honestly, the book came at the perfect time and I had someone hand it to me. So obviously that was a good indicator that something was wrong in my life, right? <laughs> it was like a slap in the That's face. Great. Yeah. And I read the signs of our capacity and I had every single one. And here I am trying to be this health entrepreneur, trying to teach other people about taking care of their body. And I was so far from it. And what was interesting to me is... It's so against the norm to slow down. You know, it seems like the world keeps telling you to right. speed up, to speed up, to speed up, but to slow down. And so what was that transition? Like, what were the steps that you took to really step back and just slow down? Well, it's really a boring and, and it's a not sexy step. And I even say in the book when I start writing about it, like, just hear me out. Don't turn the page. So what I had to do was figure out first what I was spending my time on because I knew that I was stressed. I knew that I was just frazzled all the time. But until I could really wrap my brain around what I was spending my time on, I wasn't going to be able to fix it. So I started a time diary and I have a downloadable time diary on my site um, because if, if we don't track and write down what we're actually doing, then we're never going to be able to have a grip on it. So once yeah. I realized what was sucking up so much of my time, then I could actually make some decisions to change it. So 
once I discovered, like for instance, when I was running my own business, I would work often 12 hours a day. Mm. And I put this app on my computer called Rescue Time that would track what I was doing. And I was spending so much time on Facebook. I was watching like baby sloth videos on YouTube. (laughs) And once I realized like, all of these things that I'm doing during the day, they're mm-hmm. fun, but they're extending my work day so much that I'm just stressed and mad all the time. So I started putting parameters on that. Like, you know, I'll hit social media for a few minutes in the morning, but then I'll save the rest of it for nighttime. Or like, I used to go on Pinterest for during the work day and extend my work day. And now I save that for Saturdays or, you know, just sometime in the weekend. So I started really looking at what I was doing. I was able to cut down my work hours by a ton because I got more done during work and, um, and stopped feeling so stressed and overworked all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think so, so many times that first step is, is not something that's super appealing. And that's kind of why so many people are stuck, you know, here is because it's not like, oh, here's the easy button to this, but it's really analyzing your life and taking a step back and kind of confronting yourself about it. It really doesn't take long. It took me like three days of using this app to monitor what I was doing on my computer every day to realize, oh, well, that's the problem. Um, it's just we're just not used to, to being aware of it, but it really doesn't take long. I, I don't think people even have to track their time for a week before before the big indicators pop up. Right. And I feel like once I started doing it, then I was more aware of when I was tempted to do it. Um, And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of change your environment, change yourself. Uh, It works really well. But again, it's not something that's super sexy to do. So another another thing that I'm really passionate about is finding your passion and living with a purpose. And I know these sound like really out-of-the-box nutrition tips, but there's so much more to health than just what we put in our body and, and what we do, although that's really important. And I talk a lot about that. But it really does come down to our stress levels and how much joy that we have in life. And so you started a conference called Blissdome. And it was the largest small business conference in the world. Is that correct? We hosted in the U.S. and Canada. So small business women, bloggers, you know, social media gurus. Right. Um, just a wonderful, wonderful group of women. Yeah. So did you feel like when you got that vision, was did you feel like that was your purpose in life? Like your oh, calling? Oh, I totally did. I the weird thing about having an event company is you always have photographers around. So there's pictures of you. And I have this picture from like 2010. Harry Connick Jr. was our musical guest that year. And so we're at this little private concert here. Here he's doing and everybody's watching him play. And I'm at the side of the stage and I have my fist just up in the air. I don't even, I don't remember putting my fist up in the air, but I remember the moment that I was like this is what I'm called to do. I'm called to bring these women together. You know, they're sharing everything they know. We're empowering each other. We're helping each other's businesses. And we're having a great time because I'm looking at all these happy faces. I'm like, this is it. Right. And then I just pump my fist in the air and I have this photo of the moment. And to me, I hit that point and I was like, this is it. I'm in my stride. I want to do this for the rest of my life. I didn't understand then that, our calling, our, the way we work out our calling looks different in every season. You know, I'm, 
I am somebody who, when I was a little girl, I, I love to get information. I am an encyclopedia reader. Like that was my jam. Mm-hmm. I grew up and loved nonfiction still. And so my calling I've learned is to gather in information, to share it with other women, to help them live the life that they're created to live. Now, in the season when I was running my event, that's what it looked like then. But what I learned was God had a different plan for me to live out that calling in a different season of my life. Right. So essentially, you were sitting at a conference and you got this <laughs> feeling that Bluestone was supposed to end. I mean, how frightening to to build something and to really have it be something really big and then all of a sudden for it to be over. What was that time in your life and how did you feel, you know, how did you overcome the the hurdles of those challenges and really accept that? It took a long time. I would like to say that when I, when I felt in my spirit that God was telling me to quit it, that I was, I was like, okay, I'm going to obey and I'm going to walk out my calling on this earth and it'll be sunshine and rainbows. But it was terrible. I mean, I had this experience where I just knew that I knew that I knew mm-hmm. that this message that I was getting in that moment was to do this, but I was mad mm-hmm. and it felt like a punch in the gut. And so I went home telling my husband and I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm going to tell my husband And obviously he's not going to want me to do this. So he's my out. Right. And he's like, well, no, you need to do it. Mm. And it still took me a year to do it because I didn't know if I shut down this company, how I was going to support us. Um, I didn't want to disappoint all of the people who came to the event and people relied on me for jobs. So it was just a trifecta of awful. And I had to get to the point where I trusted God for my future and that I wanted what he wanted in my life more than I wanted what I wanted in my life. And Mm -hmm. and it it took me a year to get there. Yeah. So it wasn't an overnight, I mean, just a flip of the hat. It, It took time for you to really kind of soak it in and to fully open up and accept that. And I mean, that's not the only trial you've been through in your book. You talk about your husband losing his job, kind of going through bankruptcy. I mean, there's a lot of hurdles you've been through. How do you continue to stay (laughs) the path that God has planned for you? Because sometimes I feel like in my own life, sometimes I I just question God. I feel like you're dragging me through the mud and, you know, I just don't get it. And it's so hard. And it's so hard to continue to hear his voice and to continue to follow that because it's scary. So how do you, how do you say that, you know, after all you've been through? Totally. And you know, what's funny is often we hear people talk about all the things that they've gone through and they're like, the Lord sustained me and it was amazing. And you know, the joy and peace of the Lord came on me. It's different for me. Um, you know, we, we went through bankruptcy. We went through being homeless. We lost our house. We've, you know, we've been through the works in the middle of it. It was terrible, but often, you know, people tell stories in retrospect and it doesn't sound bad. It it was awful. And now I'm not going through anything awful, but even the little stresses of the days, I catch myself, you know, with my head on the table, grumbling to God all the time. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just human nature whether we're going through big trials or little trials to grumble and to not have peace in it and, and to be unhappy when things don't go our way. It's just who we are as people. Um, but what 
keeps me on the right track and keeps my perspective right is I have to train myself to focus on being grateful for what's right in front of me today. Mm-hmm. Um, no amount of worrying about tomorrow is going to fix it. Um, as much, I'm very future oriented by nature. So I like to, I like to set up things for tomorrow to be great, but I have to train myself to live in the day. I, I do this thing with my three youngest kids where I snuggle them every night and ask them to tell me what three things that day they're happy about. So I'm trying to teach them the practice of gratitude. And after months of doing this with them, I realized I don't practice gratitude myself. Like I know it's mm. a spiritual discipline that's, that's crucial. It's crucial for, I mean, God wants us to be grateful. He wants us to enjoy what he gives us. And it's crucial for our mental health to practice gratitude so once, once I started practicing gratitude, it helped me ease the anxiety of the trials that I'm in for today and ease the anxiety of worrying about tomorrow. But I, it took me a long time to accept that gratitude is often the antidote for anxiety because we hear so much about gratitude, it almost sounds like a Hallmark card. Right. And I had to experience for myself that it really works. It's kind of like the time diary. It's not sexy, so we don't do it. It doesn't seem like fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time diary. It's like that with gratitude too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gratitude. It'll change your life. But when you really practice it, you see that it does. Mm. If that makes sense. Oh, yeah, totally. It's just a another little thing, but it does. It's so easy in our society to get overrun with the negatives that we can lose sight of the positives, even though there are a lot more positives generally than negatives in most people's lives, um, if we really look around. So it kind of brings to light those things that we should should be focusing on. And to stay with the topic of worry, because I feel like there's so many people in our society that are kind of paralyzed by the fear and the worry and the anxiety of life and tomorrow. Do you have any tips or advice to beat this and hit it head on? I know we've talked about gratitude, but really confronting that issue in our life because it is so damaging. It really is. Um, I think fear and anxiety and worry is the thing that brings most people to their knees on a daily basis. I really do. Um, I believe that there are these false scripts that run through our heads all the time. So it's kind of like an actor in a play. Um, if that actor gets the wrong script that he's reading off of, everything's going to be wrong. Well, we get these wrong scripts, these, these negative thought patterns that, that go through our head. So when we are combating the daily struggles that we go through, I mean, because it's life, it, it, it is hard very often. We have these false scripts playing in our head of everything's going to be, everything's going to be terrible. Everything's going to fall apart. I can't handle this, you know, or I'm not equipped for this. And when we have these messages going through our heads all the time, because we speak to ourselves more than on a daily basis, more than anybody else speaks to us, it really cuts, we cut ourselves off at the knees to be able to battle these things. So what, what I had to do, and I talk about it a little bit in the thoughts chapter and breaking busy is had to identify what my false scripts are, you know, what these go-to messages that I say to myself in my head are, and then replace them with truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and the truth, the truth of who I am, who God has made me, the, the plans and the purposes he has for me. And then just being super practical about it. Like if I 
I, I will often, when things get bad, I will tell myself, I can't handle this. And I'm speaking that truth over myself. So I just have to get real practical, real rational and go, okay, well, I can handle this. You know, worst case scenario, X, Y, and Z happens. It's not the end of the world. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of it by doing one, two, three. And of, of course, worst case scenario never happens, but I, I feel a little more in control. I feel like I'm going to have a handle on things. And I've reminded myself that things are going to be okay. Because when we kind of let ourselves down spiral and fear and worry, we forget that God's in control and we forget that there are practical things that we can do um, to make the situation better. Right. And I like how you said that because it's like confronting your fear. It's not letting it overrun, but it's kind of taking a stand against it in a positive light. And I feel like that kind of goes along with relationships. And I wanted to get your opinion about this on, you know, taking fear and even the shame in our life and bringing that back up. Do you think there's value in having someone to talk to about that, like having those deep relationships? Or do you think fear and shame and those issues can be dealt with by yourself, you know, just bringing it up on your own and trying to overcome that with positive self-talk? Oh, yeah, has to be, has to be, has to be, has to be with other people. I mean, we are, we are created to connect with others. We are created to live in community with others. The key is choosing the people who are, who, you know, to quote Brene Brown, who've earned the right for you to trust them. Mm -hmm. And in the book, I talk a lot about how when there's different topics in my life, I go to different people, people who I know their lives are bearing great fruit. They're making good decisions. They're very trustworthy that I can be vulnerable with them and their advice and their counsel is going to be wise. Um, you know, in Proverbs, it says many counselors make for good decisions. It's true, but we live in a day where our many counselors could be a thousand people on Facebook. Right. So, you know, you don't want to ask hundreds and hundreds of people what you should do or necessarily pour your heart out to hundreds of people publicly. It's choosing the, you know, one to three people in your life who have earned that right, who've earned your trust and are safe to be vulnerable with. Right. And I love how you said that pouring yourself out on Facebook, because I feel like in this day and age and era that we're living in, it's easy to look at Facebook and say, I have 500 friends or, or whatever it is. And we forget about that real life contact, face to face friendship, even texting. And I know you wrote about this in your book gets a little dangerous. How can we build valuable, real, raw and authentic relationships with each other? Well, it it's really comes down to time. So for me, I have a lot of loose friendships, you know, um, being somebody who's built a company on the Internet and lives a lot of my life online. Um, I, I do value those friendships very much, but it's the people who you really invest the time in that the relationship grows. My, my closest friend, my best friend, I met her on the internet eight years ago and we see each other once a year, but we talk on the phone all the time as that investment because you're just tending, you're not going to get real. You're not going to break down what's going on when you're just Facebook messaging all day. You know, you really, really need to, to, to invest that time to be to be real with someone else, to say this is what's really going on. 
because it takes a little bit of time to break down these barriers that we all put around ourselves. We all tend to pretend like everything's okay all the time, especially on you know, Instagram, Instagram is happy joy land. If I'm in a bad mood, I'm just not even going to go on Instagram because y'all don't want to see pictures of me yelling at my kids, which I do often, but I'll post a picture of my kids and I'm smiling, right? So like if I'm not on Instagram for a week, it's probably because I'm grumpy. Um, and that's just, that's the nature of social media. But it's, but when I'm grumpy, I know to stay off social media because it'll make me feel worse. And I know to, to pray and to get with, my close friends. So, you know, we can get real and get talking and build each other up. Right. There's nothing like opening it up and being vulnerable with each other and realizing that we're not alone and that a lot of people struggle yes. with this. And <laughs> that's boggling to a lot of people. But um, I think, you know, obviously you're an author and presenter and, you know, an online as online professionals, it's easy for people to think that we have life together and everything is perfect and, you know, we can make things seem perfect and, but that's far from reality. We're all real life human beings and, you know, let our emotions take over far too often. So continuing with this, breaking busy isn't just about letting go of saying yes and stepping out of the chaos, but it's also about slowing down your mind giving yourself time to think in here, how did you learn this? And what was a simple act of listening and slowing down done in your life? Well, yeah, I lived my life so busy trying to be all things to all people for so long that I really didn't make room for God on most days. So for me, giving myself permission to let other people down to disappoint them because there were things I just wasn't going to do anymore. I, you know, I couldn't be on that hamster wheel. That's why there's a little hamster wheel on the cover. You know, I just felt like we're, we're all living in this hamster wheel of performance. When I started scaling back slowly and really taking back my own happiness and peace of mind, that's when I was consciously aware that I needed to give God more of my time mm. because the secret to happiness, the secret to feeling fulfilled, is a connection to him. And I spent way too many years just throwing up help me Jesus prayers, but without spending a lot of time really listening to see what he wanted to say to me to get connected to him. And that's the secret to everything. So for me, it was just these conscious little, little choices every day to, to not fill every second of my calendar, to not feel like I had to make everyone happy to be able to create enough margin in my life to hear him and connect. Yeah, so just choosing to create white space, almost kind of yeah. filling it in your schedule so that it didn't become overbooked because there's a lot of excuses and a lot of reasons and things that we could come up with. But yeah, maybe even marking it down and um, choosing to do it every day. So in the last chapter, I don't want to give away Absolutely. all of I don't want to give away all of Breaking Busy. You guys have to pick it up. But Allie wrote a chapter on worth, finding your value in a world of never good enough. Allie, can you give us any insight in how we find that value, something so many of us long for and yet just can't seem to settle in? Yeah. In fact, I, I wanted to start the book with that chapter because once that the publishers were like, yikes, this is too heavy. Let's work people into it. Um, as I was going to tackle the topic of busyness, I read like a gazillion books on time management. And I realized time management 
keys, uh, it's already been written. Like we all know what we need to do to manage our time. So what's the problem? Why are we all so busy? And, you know, time management's important and we cover it, but the heart of the issue is our worth. The heart of the issue is not feeling like we are good enough. And you see from, you know, the first story in Genesis, Adam and Eve making a mistake and them feeling naked and ashamed and disconnected from God. And that's where all of our problems come from. And there's this lie of shame, I believe, that the enemy puts over us that makes us live out of a place where we don't feel like we're enough. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it keeps us busy trying to prove our worth. um, And that distracts us and keeps us from living the life that God created us to live. But when we keep in mind that we serve a God who is grace filled, it's God who makes us worthy. And we can step off that treadmill of constantly striving and constantly trying to be good enough. Because then we're getting our worth from God, not from external perspective. Absolutely. And And it's so hard in this culture because this culture says you have to be more, you have to do more, you have to achieve more to be enough, to be worth something. So internalizing this message of our worth and where our worth comes from, it is a, it is something we have to work on constantly because Uh it never gets easier. You know, we're never going to work up and be like, well, I feel great today. I know that my worth is in God and I don't need to to worry about X, Y, and Z. Like, no, this is just the human condition. So it's something that I believe we need to keep revisiting, keep speaking truth over ourselves, and every day going to battle against these lies. Right. So I would find myself as someone who would go to bed and measure my day, my worthiness by how much I got done, you know, how many things I marked off my to-do list, and never feel adequate because let's be honest, I never have a time, enough time to get it all done. And then, you know, I, I I start the day, the next day already feeling inadequate and letting stress totally overwhelm me. Something honestly, since I read the book a few months ago that I've really been working on, do you have any tips for really pushing beyond that? Or do you feel like you still feel that way? Like, do you still struggle in that area too? Is that just human nature? Oh, sure. We're always going to struggle with it. And anyone who says, oh, I never have a problem with feeling like I'm not enough and that I'm not doing enough. I don't know like what planet they're living on because (laughs) it's just who we are. Um, But for me, I have to just keep a barometer that I measure things with, you know, am am I spending time with God? Yes. Um, For me, it's my family. Is, Is my family okay? Are we all happy? Are we good? we're great. Okay. Work. Was work okay? Yes. Are there a million things that could have gone better? Sure. Are there a million things that could have gone better with the family? Yes. But if at the end of the day, you're all okay, it's gravy. Mm -hmm. And learning to accept that is great because once we fall into that trap of, well, I really should have done better and I could have done this better and I'm going to try harder. It's so easy to slide over to um, striving needlessly and wasting a lot of time and energy. Um, I think that sometimes good enough is just perfect. Mm. Yeah. I like that. Of course, easier said than done, right? Right. <laughs> Has a lot of things in life. <laughs> it's, a, it's a daily battle. Right. Yeah. Right. So what tips would you give someone who's just listening to this and kind of realizing and being opened up to the fact that, hey, maybe my life is too busy too. What tips would you give someone to start that process? 
Sure. Um, two, two really key things. I think everything hinges on these two key concepts. The first is giving yourself permission to disappoint others. I believe that we're called to do certain things in life, that we are called to, to make decisions that um, sometimes aren't fun. Sometimes they feel like a punch in the gut because we have to let other people down. It is impossible to go through your day without moderately disappointing other people. So for me, I've had to come to the understanding that I am going to disappoint others and that is okay. The world is not going to end. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've been asked to be the classroom mom, for instance. I would be the worst classroom mom (laughs) ever. It would be bad for me and it would be bad for those children. But in this instance, you know, there are people who love to be the classroom mom. And when the same people, like if it's a group of high achieving women, always say yes to everything, whether they're called and meant to do it or not, or even have that gifting to do it, you take away the opportunity for somebody who just needs a little more time to step up, but they're built for it. They're made for it. Right. Um, So for me, I had to get, I had to learn to be comfortable with knowing momentarily when I say no to something, no matter how graciously I say no to it, it is going to disappoint other people. That's a key. And that's something that gets easier over time. But it's super hard when you're mm-hmm. just learning to accept that it's okay if someone else is disappointed. The world won't end. And then the most practical tip I can give you really quick is to stop making to-do lists of more ways we're going to work out of being, you know, having a problem, you know, most women, if there's an issue, we're going to whip up some to-do lists and we're going to work our way out of it. In terms of busyness, it's super important to make a stop doing list, to identify two or three things you either want to stop doing, things that aren't working for you, things that aren't healthy, or when situations come up in the future, you know, oh, I don't want to say yes to that. Like, I'm just going to stop doing that. Put it on a post-it note, put it on an index card, whatever it is, but just start with two or three things. Like these things are healthy for me. These things don't lead to my happiness. It's not my calling. I'm going to stop saying yes to it. That is so simple, but it's completely life-changing. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think of the quote from Brené Brown's new book. I've regretted a lot of yeses, but I've never regretted a no. But it, it doesn't go with people-pleasing either. You know, some like you said, sometimes it's disappointing but worth it if it means your life. So a couple more questions before we go. Breaking busy ultimately helps us find our calling. What can you tell us about the need for a calling and truly living that calling? Well, sure. Um, it, It took me probably 30 years to understand that the real calling of everybody on the earth is to receive the gift of salvation. To me, that was just too simple. didn't get it. There mm-hmm. had to be something way more complicated. Um, so that is our key calling. After that, I believe that God plants gifts and talents and passions in us. And through different seasons of our lives, gives us this opportunity to outwork those gifts, those talents and those passions. Like I mentioned earlier, I was an encyclopedia reader. Well, that's what I like to do when I was a kid, but I still do it. You know, I did it as a blogger. I shared information. I do it. Um, as an entrepreneur, I do it as an author. I just love to gather up info and then share it. Um, it seems like a really boring talent, but you know, it's, it's working for me because God keeps giving me the opportunity to use it. Mm -hmm. And so in our lives, we find our calling by looking to see what gifts and talents God has planted in us 
and what opportunities he gives us in different seasons to use those. Right. So it kind of changes. It's like an ebb and flow with your life, but generally follows your passions and the guests. Absolutely. You know, I have, Go ahead. I've prayed for many, many years that I could sing. And I told God, you know, if you'll just give me the gift of singing, <laughs> I will use it for your glory. But I, I mean, I sing like two cats in an alley <laughs> fighting. It's terrible. And because like God must know, like no home girl is not going to use it for my glory. Mm-hmm. So there are lots of different things that I feel like could be my calling and I want them to be my calling, but I just don't have the gift mix for it. Mm-hmm. So I think just being super practical, we look at what comes natural, what we love to do, what, you know, for me, it's what, if I never had to earn another dime, what would I want to wake up every day and do? And that's, it's share information. Mm-hmm. So I think everybody has those, those gifts and those special passions and God, God plants them in us uniquely. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. So one last question, what is one thing that we could do today, you know, that you would recommend all of us doing today to make progress in this area, to get rid, overcome our busyness and really live with the unending joy? It's a great question. I think that it would just be this gut check question we can ask ourselves as we live our lives. I actually have this written out on index cards in different parts of my house. And the question is, am I living like I believe I'm enough? Mm. Because when we live like we don't believe we're enough, like we're not good enough, like we have to work hard by the world standards to be enough, that's when we get busy. It's when we take on more work. It's when we beat ourselves up because we're not doing enough. And it helps me realize I have to keep reminding myself that I am enough because God makes me enough. Mm -hmm. I am following him. He makes me worthy. And so it just helps me. It gives me this gut check so I can look at what I'm doing, the decisions I'm making, the actions I'm taking, and make sure they align with that truth. Because that's really what it all comes down to. Right. That we are all enough. I love it. So, Allie, before you go, tell us where we can learn more about you, um, find more information about you. Well, sure. My website is AllieWorthington.com, A-L-L-I. And I am Allie Worthington on Instagram and Snapchat and all that fun stuff. Um, Just about wherever there's social media, I'm there because I don't let myself use it all the time, but I love it. Right. <laughs> if I'm not there for a week, I might be grumpy. Yes. That's FYI, <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> we'll give you a little extra encouragement during that time. Um, so yeah, I'll, totally. I'll be sure to link up the book in the show notes and all of Allie's information as well. So thank you so much for being on the show. Such a wealth of information. And yeah, honestly, this book was life changing for me. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm so honored to hear that. And thank you for having me. Wow, I still learned so much even after reading her book multiple times. Obviously, I've struggled with busyness in my life recently. And now I hope that you can see why this pattern of breaking busy has been so crucial and life-changing and perfect in my own life. While I'm still on the journey and still learning and letting go of the fear, I know deep down that it will all be worth it in the end and I can already begin to feel the effects of this amazing transformation. So I want to ask you, why do you choose busyness? Is it because you too attach value to saying yes to not disappointing? 
Or did you simply believe that it was absolutely your role to be 100% for everyone everywhere? Let me tell you, it's okay to say no. It's okay to disappoint. And in fact, if we all got a little bit more picky about what we said yes to, to the things we actually find joy in and we're good at and passionate about, and not every little thing, think how much more we could accomplish and more importantly, how much joy we would have. And isn't that all worth it? Breaking busy seems like such a basic concept, and it really is, but in the grand scheme of things, it's all of the little things that we just continue to miss or ignore as being a problem, and some, in the end, make all of the difference. So your challenge this week is to pick up Allie's book, Breaking Busy. Also, download her time log. Making it known what you're spending time on really makes you own it makes you realize how much time we actually do waste. Well, if you're anything like me and through that, you have to write it all out. You have to see it and take ownership of it through doing that process. It's easier to see the things that maybe don't find you joy in life. So going back to one of the questions Ali asked, what is one thing that you could give up that you really don't enjoy anyways, write it out and choose to let it go. It's not easy, it's definitely not sexy, but in the end, it's so worth it. And it all goes back to what I always say, one small change every day makes all the difference. A life of joy is awaiting us. So what in the world are we waiting for? To get all of today's show notes, links to the resources mentioned in the podcast, as well as links to where you can find more about Allie and follow her on social media is up at simplerootswellness.com slash 014. I so, so thank you for tuning into yet another show. I hope that you found this episode with Allie so incredibly beneficial as I have. I have completely transformed my life, although like I mentioned, I'm still a major work in progress, but I'm definitely in the works. And I hope that you found them incredibly helpful as well and encouraging in your own health walk. And with that, I too am still finding myself and learning. And one thing that I've learned is that Simple Roots is going to change a little bit. If you're interested in learning more about the end of what was and the rise of new beginning, one that I'm not 100% sure about and following me along in this crazy ride I've been up to, I'd love to have you, but you have to sign up for my weekly email over at the blog at simplerootswellness.com to get added to the journey. And speaking of journey, I can't even begin to tell you what a blessing this podcasting journey has been. The love and support is unreal, and the testimonies of change you are already making for a healthier tomorrow is amazing. I'm so beyond encouraged and pumped up, and with that, I'm giving away some pretty sweet swag bags if we can reach 150 reviews by the end of this month. So if you haven't yet subscribed to the show and left a rating and review, it literally will take you one minute to do so. This one minute of your time means everything in keeping this podcast completely free to your listening ears, and more importantly, allowing others to hear about the show. To leave an honest rating and review, just go to the show notes, iTunes, or the quick link via simplerootswellness.com slash review. Remember, you can always assume it's real and raw over here. I'm an open book and on a huge learning curve myself, but this podcast and Aldi's book have given me so much hope that perfection isn't everything, and more specifically to quote Allie, that good is perfect enough. Together we can create change and rise tides. So let's choose to make this week less busy and more joyful.